you've been working since you were in high school uh, and you're almost 60. It's time that you take a break and let your mind settle, let it do nothing for a while, and just begin to explore those things that really excite you, that you're passionate about, that you want to learn about, that you've never had time to do, and then see where that takes you. And of course, the hardest part of that is, I think, letting go of not knowing what the next step is going to be. Hey, this is your host, Debbie. Welcome to Gap Year for Grownups, a podcast for those who believe you can take a time out to reinvent your life, especially at 50 plus when you're figuring out what comes next. Today, I talk with Susan DeCuba. Susan is an accomplished nonprofit executive who spent the last 13 years of her career as CEO of a hospice group in Florida. When I met Susan, she was at the end of her gap year. She'd come to a turning point in her career, and at age 59, after 40 plus years of nonstop work, she decided to take a year off, but in a purposeful way. Susan is practical and she is strategic, and she thinks like an executive. And she had a goal to figure out her next step. So we talk about the steps in her decision-making, there are lots of them, how as a leader you see junctures or forks in the road where you can continue on the same path or step off and do something different, how she divided her gap year into quarters, I love this, like any successful executive making an annual plan, what it was like to jump into the unknown, and finally, how she ended up creating a new consulting career by combining her existing skills and experience. She felt a desire to serve others, and she also knew she wanted freedom and flexibility. Most important, we talk about how she remained open to possibilities, especially around money and resources, and how that led to her successful gap year. Let's jump in. Susan, welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here, Debbie. So many things to talk about. Tell us, now that you've finished your official year off, can you can you go back to your mindset before you did this, sort of leading up to it, and talk a little bit about the decision-making to do that? Because you had a very established career uh, and job, director of a hospice, you were speaking all over. I looked at your LinkedIn profile. Uh, so you had a pretty big deal job. So tell us how that works. You know, you're in your 50s and you think, I just, I want to change. But how long does that take to make the decision? How did you make it? That's an excellent question. Um, I think what happens is you, it starts with just kind of beginning thoughts, I think, in the back of your mind at least in my experience, I was kind of on automatic pilot with a lot of things, with the regular responsibilities of the role of um, leading a hospice program. And I was enjoying that role for the most part. Um, But what happens is in the back of your mind come these little thoughts. So I had been with this particular program for 13 years and was coming to a point where I just kept feeling there was something 
more I wanted to do and something a little different than what I was doing. I couldn't put my finger on it exactly, but I think the core component of that thought was that I felt that I needed to be more expansive and move beyond what I was doing into something more expansive, although I couldn't quite articulate exactly what that expansiveness would represent. And so you felt that, but going from feeling that or or having these thoughts to quitting your job is is a pretty big step. And I think anyone interested in any when listening interested in taking a time out wonders how does that how does that work you know how do you, how are you brave enough and you know what about the money and mm-hmm. did you talk it over with your husband or your partner how long did that that decision making piece take um i think um i would say that i think with every individual as they're starting to contemplate sort of the next stage in their life and they're feeling like they want to do something a little different always there's the fear of how and how will I ever, you know, transition out of what I'm doing every day. And along with transitioning out is the financial component, you know, as well as just the professional and all the different aspects of it. Um, what will I do next? I think those are all common feelings. I think for my journey, and I, I believe, you know, everyone probably has a different story along these lines, but in my journey, there were circumstances around within uh, the environment that I was working in, the organization, where it became evident that there would be opportunities for me if I if I wanted to make a shift. The timing was going to be coming up soon, because I think in in any time you're in a leadership role, you're going to come to uh, junctures where you're going to make a decision if you're going to opt to uh, fight a battle, to continue on the path that you, you know, are, are committed to, or if potentially it could be a sign that maybe it's time to take a different path. And so that was the circumstance that I found myself in, was a scenario where there were various issues that were happening both, you know, nationally, state, and locally that were impacting the vision and direction of the organization. And so it became apparent to me that it was one of these junctures in life where I had a decision to make. Was I going to try to go against a tide that was beginning to brew to continue to um, march along in the route that I felt I needed to be true to? Or again, was it time to let the battle go and leave it to someone else to tackle and see it as an opportunity Hmm. for a new path and direction for me? So that was my, that's the, the scenario I was faced with. And I, I think I decided that this would be an opportune time for me because of where I was in my life, because of sort of that background noise that maybe there's something else I want to do. 
that I decided to take the fork in the road and, and take a different path. You strike me as someone who's kind of fearless. I don't picture you being afraid doing this, making this change. You also mentioned you've done had different jobs mm-hmm. over the years um, and like to make changes. Is, is it different this time? Had you ever taken a year off like this after leaving a job? or what? what um... I have never taken a year off. And with that said, I highly recommend it for anyone that can figure out how to do it. And there are a lot of creative ways to do it. Um, I have made multiple changes over time. I've actually, you know, spent half of my career in a totally different industry in, in education and counseling work and then healthcare, the second part of my career. So I think that Anytime you make change, there's always some trepidation, and yet, unless you're just, you know, absolutely a uh, superstar. Um, I think all of us as humans go through some fear when we make a change. And I think at, at each change that I've made over time, uh, there has been some fear that came along with it, but they're superseding the fear was um, an excitement Mm. about what possibilities could be next. So I think it's the kind of explorer nature in me um, that delights in something new. And so taking the year off was recommended by a mentor of mine who said, you know, you've been working since you were in high school uh, and you're almost 60. It's time that you take a break and let your mind settle, let it do nothing for a while, and just begin to explore those things that really excite you, that you're passionate about, that you want to learn about, that you've never had time to do, and then see where that takes you. And of course, the hardest part of that is, I think, letting go of not knowing what the next step is going to be. Because you're not done. You said you actually used the word sabbatical. Yes. Even though this is a gap year podcast. Basically, a gap. Um, it is a gap year. I use sabbatical just to emphasize the fact that I was committed to a lot of learning and exploration and to apply it toward my next endeavor. Oh, that's interesting. Whatever it is. I often think sabbatical means you're going to go back to what you did before. Like if you're a professor, you go back. And I use that because I think I felt and, and still do that whatever I did next would incorporate an aspect of what I was currently or what I was doing at that time. But how would I use it and how would I incorporate it? And what would I research to see where it might come together? You also strike me as someone who's goal-oriented. So when you set out, I guess you said April 2018 to April 2019 is the dates of your gap year. Did you set out goals? Did you, I mean, did you have any kind of plan? I know you said you wanted to explore things, but... I'm just curious because I think, again, people listening who, think, who might even think about taking a time out 
wonder, well, how structured does it have to be? Or how much do I have to plan out ahead of time? Or should I not? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, that's a great question. I think when I first approached it, I kind of thought in um, quadrants a little bit. So, and I, it, and I'm coming, you know, from Very fiscal cool. years that were in quarters. Yeah. It was just natural to think about it in quarters. And so it was sort of first quarter is pure fun. <laughs> so first quarter was just spending time with my family, visiting my kids. I live in Florida, going out to California, going hiking, spending time in the redwoods, just doing fun things with no thought of having to produce something or come up with a goal, <laughs> had an objective and an outcome. It was, I'm just going to have fun. So that was quarter one, fun quarter. <laughs> um, quarter two was, all right, so now let's think about what's interesting to me now. So what am I interested in? Once I had my, what I call decompressed time, mm-hmm. then I had the interest and excitement to say, okay, what am I interested in start thinking about that. What popped up first? Well, that's kind of fascinating because I also was interested in, as you are, in other people doing similar things. And I was, okay, who else is out there and are other people doing this? And how are they doing it? And what are they doing? And how are they figuring out their next steps? And so that led me to some you know, research. I started looking up things online. That's where I learned about a gerontologist, Barbara Waxman. And she had written this little book called The Middlescent Manifesto. And I was so intrigued by the word middlescence and the idea that she described that this part of our lives was like adolescence, except it, we had all these years of experience and wisdom, but it truly was another part of our sort of lifeline in this middlescence time frame. We come to a point where doing the kind of work we've always done, maybe 20 years, 30 <laughs> years, 40 years, whatever it is, it's not uncommon to come to a point where you're like, okay, uh, I kind of done that. I, I, I want to do something where I'm using my skills and talents. I want to be of service. <coughs> and I still feel I have something to contribute to the world. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I don't think that I want to be back in the same day in, day out capacity. So as I began to read about this stage of life being kind of defined as middlescence, it was very intriguing to me. And it also, I felt, gave me the permission almost that I was looking for and, and to understand that there were other people going through this same kind of phase of life. It, it gave me, I guess, some context for the emotion that I was feeling and wanting to make this change and a terminology and a language to talk about it with other people. So that was kind of my first um, inclination was just to understand kind of what was going on with me and, and making sure I was normal, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, um, everyone else, there's a lot of people still working and still believe that they've just got to keep doing the same thing forever. And 
you know, I, I just wasn't feeling that way. So uh, it was great to get um, some backup. <laughs> and then I began to, I'll come back to sort of where Barbara's work led me, which is kind of how I ended up finding out about the Modern Elder Academy. But after I sort of got that, okay, I'm, I, I feel good about the track I'm on. Let me start really looking into what my interests are as far as where might I want to give back and what kind of service will I want to do. So um, I, I will tell you, so it's, I mean, I've told you I'm just kind of a few months over the one year, um, but I am currently working in a contract capacity in the, in the same field. So I'm working um, with a major health plan out in California, and I'm helping them by sort of being a bridge between the health plan and their objectives and what they would like to accomplish and do for ensuring quality palliative care and end-of-life care for their members, bridging that with all of the hospice providers in their area, which there's over 150 of them, and bridging for the hospice providers, helping them understand, well, this is what the plan needs from you, and helping the plan understand what, what the hospice needs and sort of just being that bridge between the two and helping to find some quality metrics for that area. So basically, in a nutshell, for those not really interested in that content area or topic, what I was able to do was take the background experience I had from running a local program in Florida, which has fairly large programs, and then transfer that knowledge and skill to a larger venue uh, to a much bigger company and organization um, and be able to find a gap in their knowledge and information that I could fill and, and in a helpful way that ultimately will help patients and families have a better quality end-of-life experience. So it, it kind of meets my mission-driven side of wanting to be of service to the world and also, it beats my curiosity and learning side because health plans is a whole new area for me. So that excites me because it's something new to learn. And it also satisfies the not wanting to get up and go into a place and work from, you know, eight in the morning till seven at night every day because I'm working as a contract employee for a certain amount of hours uh, over, you know, each quarterly period, you know, over, over one year time frame. So was able to, to design and create something that, again, was, was filling a niche and also was giving me the freedom and flexibility that I was really yearning for in this next stage of my life. So really, you've joined the gig economy. It's a little bit more than a gig, but um, and thinking you'll probably stay there because you can do this this particular one or different ones and maintain the flexibility, the freedom that you you've experienced over the past year. Um, are there any particular daily practices that you've had time to add to your life, your daily life, because of not working full time? whether it's meditation or yoga or any kind of daily practice that most of us working full-time just don't have time for. 
that you think is, that you would say is a benefit, if I can say that, a benefit of taking a gap year or a timeout? Yeah, I think that I've always tried, I mean, for many years to incorporate a meditation practice, even during, you know, my, you know, heavy work schedule, um, even, but even if it was for a few minutes in the morning, um, and to walk in the morning before work, if I got a chance, if not, when I got home, the thing was, it was very difficult to be consistent with that just because of the nature of how my work life was. I think the the difference for me now is that I am much more consistent. So I, I have, I, I do get in my daily meditation and not only that, but I also add in like 30 minutes of reading from whatever uh, book I am interested in at the time, which are usually spiritual books for in my case. But I love that I am not rushed in the morning to have my time to read my studies, to have my reflection, um, and then go for a walk. And so I just find that I'm able to be much more consistent in my practices, things that I I tried to do, but I had more excuses for why I couldn't do them than I could. Yeah, so it's it's helped a lot. The other thing that I wanted to just mention, because I, I there's been a sidebar component to taking the year off and really thinking about what I wanted to do next. You know, I, I wanted to continue on and do some aspect of hospice and palliative care, do it in a new way, which is what I'm doing now. But I also wanted to experiment in something new. And I think the idea for me, because I, I have a counseling background as well, and I had always been intrigued by retreats because going to retreats, I get a lot out of them, just like Modern Elder Academy and other retreats that I have, you know, had the privilege of going to over the years have had transformational impact on me. And so I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could create a retreat and offer that as as some kind of give back and help other people that are going through transition time in their lives and just want to connect with other people going through a similar thing. So that's another sidebar area that I am going to be actually co-facilitating with a life coach friend of mine who I met um, here at Modern Elder Academy um, when I was here back in February. So we're going to be doing small, nothing on the scale of of Baja, which is, you know, an amazing one-week immersion. But we're going to do a kind of dip-your-toe-in-the-water experience, which will be like four days uh, or four nights. And uh, we're doing it as a women's retreat, 12 women in Belize. And with the uh, blessing of MEA, we are bringing in some of the concepts of life transition. And we both are just... We were so transformed by our own experience and so passionate about wanting to help others that are in a similar place in life, trying to make decisions um, and get support and find connection, that uh, we decided this would be a good opportunity to experiment and play and see what we can create. So... I wanted to add that in because I feel like it's it's just as important to me as what I'm doing in the healthcare space. It's just that it I consider it more a fun, creative part 
of what I like to do. And that is specifically something I could have never done <laughs> before. So it's been something in the back of my mind that I've wanted to do for like 20 years was run retreats, um, or at least one a year, maybe two, but there was never was enough time to put anything like that together or even think about how to put it together. So for me, a great benefit of having that time off, having time to just first have fun, then explore, then get out there and do some work, and then find a creative outlet where I could just play and experiment and see how it goes. And so I'll have to let you know how it goes because I haven't had it yet. That'll be in late September. But um, if all goes well, that would be something I'd like to add in to do at least annually or maybe twice a year. And really, it sounds like a could be a gap year planning retreat. Yes. You won't. Uh, well, two more quick things. One is that one of the wonderful things about this uh, experience here in Mexico that you and I are uh, finishing up is that while the, the overarching sort of pretext for this uh, immersive week in Baja is to figure out what comes next, mm-hmm. that's kind of the overarching why. Mm-hmm. But what we do here is much more focused on the here and now and understanding ourselves better through um, slowing down self-reflection, uh, self-kindness. Many hard-charging people are not very kind to themselves. And learning more about meditation and some yoga and different um Practices that again many busy people just never have done mm-hmm. and I, I've just been thinking about that is it, it's it's sort of counterintuitive That the way you move to a new place is just to stop where you are for a while slow down notice more listen Learn how to listen better Anyway, just to, th- to throw that out. But, no, um, I think you're absolutely right and I think um, part of the magic of coming to a place like MEA where you do slow down and learn about, you go deep, deeper, learning about yourself and what makes you tick, so to say, um, is that I think what happens, and as you connect more deeply with others, is that you begin to get in touch with your authentic self, your true self. And as you get in touch with that authentic self, you begin to understand what really makes you happy and what really brings you joy. And as you begin to understand what really brings you joy, you get excited about sharing that with the world in some capacity. And that usually becomes, it turns into what you're going to be doing next in the world. And whatever that is, you want it to be something that feels aligned with who you are and authentic to you. And I I think that's the value of slowing down because you come out of it more aligned to who you really are, which puts you in a more joyful place, which gets you excited about whatever it is that you decide that you want to do next. Any final words of wisdom for anyone listening who might have thought about taking a time out, a gap year, a gap month, a gap week? Maybe even whose first question about it is, oh, but what about the money? 
How would I afford it? So any, any quick words of wisdom? The only quick words of wisdom I would have on that is open up your mind to alternative possibilities that you might not have thought of. For example, uh, in making this shift, my husband and I just made a big decision to sell a big home that, that was just he and I, that we really didn't need that much space and downsizing and selling that house provided us with a financial stream that made the transition much easier for us to do. And so, and even then, we got ourselves in situations that were unexpected, but we kept an open mind because we didn't expect to even sell the house that quickly. And then someone comes along with an opportunity to, you know, rent a condo for very economical amount of money. I never thought I would be renting a condo, you know, um, and yet it was a, a, a beautiful experience and it gave, bought us time to figure out and to find that nice little home that we wanted. And so part of it is just being open-minded, um, open up your creativity and be willing to um, go down a path that you might not have considered and just be open to, someone used to say, uh, and shared with me years ago, you don't have a money problem. It's just a resource problem. So look at it as resources. And you may have other resources around you that you haven't even thought about that will help you make that shift over. Susan, thank you so much. That's a wrap for this episode of Gap Year for Grownups. If you're feeling inspired, you can leave a review on iTunes. It really means a lot. And if you've got ideas for future shows or topics, you can email me at thegapyearpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, however you want to reimagine your life, now is the moment. Don't wait. This is Debbie, your host. Till next time. Mm-hmm.